Welcome back to the Love Liz podcast. If you've been listening to any of my episodes, I've mentioned the Enneagram in reference to a lot of my stories. And in this episode, I'll be sharing what the Enneagram is and where it comes from. I've always found it really difficult to describe what the Enneagram is. And since I became a certified Enneagram teacher in 2013, I've tried over and over again to come up with an elevator pitch to describe the power of the Enneagram. And it's kind of an impossible feat. Welcome to Love Liz, the podcast that's all about inspiring you to be yourself, find true love, and live your purpose. This is for all of you seekers with deep desires who are struggling with your own self-worth and figuring out how to make your dreams come true. I'm your host, Liz Newcomer, actor turned Enneagram coach, human design practitioner, wife, and mama. I believe that who you are is enough to create the life and love you desire. Listen to find out why. I was watching the latest episode of Welcome to Wrexham and Wrexham's women's team won the championship and the interviewer asked Rosie, who's the star of the team, what's it feel like to be in this moment, to be this undefeated team, to be moving on to the Premier League? And Rosie was just like, I really can't describe it, you know, can't really put it into words. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, yes, I know what you mean, Rosie. Some things it's really hard to put into words. I'm still going to try, though. In human design, I have an open G center. And if you're looking at a human design chart, that's the yellow diamond that's at the center of the chest. And when it's open, there's not consistent energy around direction of the self, self self-love, identity. It means it changes over time. It's very chameleon-like. It's almost this not knowing who you are. I hate the Instagram profile and having to encapsulate who you are in a certain amount of characters, the amount of times that I've rewritten that bio. (laughs) And then some people do it so well. One of my friends who's a successful actress, hers said, when I'm not playing pretend, I'm keeping it real. And she's an Enneagram 8, which is very real. And I felt like that captured her perfectly. So how to describe the indescribable? I've always been on this path of self-discovery. Like Derek Zoolander says, who am I? Like, who am I? Why do I do the things that I do? And one thing that really drew me to storytelling and acting and a natural gift that I had was understanding the character's motivation. It's also something that I've been relatively good at in my relationships, being able to understand where someone else might be coming from. One time I was with one of my family members at Still Perkin, one of my favorite old coffee shops in New Orleans, and I was talking to them about my friend who was in a relationship with a married man. And my family member was shocked and disapproving. And I started to explain my friend's perspective. And they said to me, you can literally justify anything that this friend does. And I thought about that. Now, when I first found out about my friend having an affair, I was in New York. We were having brunch on the Upper West Side, sitting at an outdoor table, and she told me about it. And I immediately started crying. (laughs) 
I actually also didn't approve and I didn't think it was a good choice. And I thought about the wife and I thought about all of the hearts that would get broken along the way. And I wasn't happy. And if it were me, I think I would have made a different choice. But it wasn't me. It was my friend. And she explained her perspective, which I was then just relating to my family member. My Enneagram teacher, David Daniels, used to say to accept does not mean agree with condone or capitulate. And I think in that instance, I could understand the motivation of that behavior. And so whether it was through acting or the palm reading that I got at the graduation party after I finished high school, she looked at my left hand and she said, this is the hand that you're born with. And then my right hand. And she said, and this is what happens to you as a process of living your life and how things changed. And there was one part of my hand that was different from the left to the right. And she said, you were born to be very independent, to be good at setting boundaries, but with your life experience, you've become a people pleaser. And that really resonated with me. I could obviously see how I was a pushover. And I could also sense that there was something deeper within me that knew that that was a role that I was playing, but it wasn't who I really was. And then as I mentioned in last week's episode, Simone introduced me to astrology. So I dove deep into what it meant to be a Leo with a moon in Gemini and a rising Capricorn. And I bought a book in my early 20s that was called Who Am I? And it was all about self-discovery and all of the different ways that we can know ourselves. Chinese astrology, what color is your parachute? And every time I found a new quiz or a new test or a new tool that would help me understand myself or the people in my life, I would just drink it all up. The first time I remember taking the Enneagram test in the Wisdom of the Enneagram book was in 2005 on a family vacation in Nova Scotia, and I came out as a type three. That was one of those long multiple choice questions, and I liked having to think about the answers to some of those things, but it also felt very dependent on the situation. Like I could have answered it differently depending on the time and day and where I was at. So it didn't really sink in with me then. I feel like the Enneagram should be a household name by now, but I think a lot of reasons why it's not is because people mistype themselves. They take a quiz online, it tells them they're one type, and then the description of that type doesn't resonate with them. And also, your Enneagram type patterns are really subconscious. They're like the water that you swim in. In my practice, I offer one-on-one sessions where I dive deep with a person, guiding them through a series of questions to understand understand, yes, what it is they do, but what's underneath that and what's driving that behavior. Because I am an expert on the Enneagram, I'm able to intuitively pick up on the difference on how you might answer a multiple choice question like, are you the life of the party? Traditionally, a type seven is the life of the party. But whether you have a social subtype or if you're an Enneagram six and you're surrounded by your friends, you're certainly the life of the party too. So because of the experience that I had, like I'm sure many of you have had, It took a while before I really realized the value of this system. And then finally, when I took the Enneagram workshop in 2011 that I mentioned in episode two, that's what really sealed the deal for me. And what I discovered about the Enneagram then that has held true to this day is that it helped me understand myself on the most comprehensive level. It gave me what some of these other systems and tools hadn't offered me which it illuminated the path to growth. So it said, yes, you are this type. And because you're this type, you think, feel, and act this way. 
And the reason you do that is because of this. And yes, there are certain challenges that come from that, but there's also certain strengths. And if you want to change, this is how you free yourself. So it was like this map, this diagnostic tool that allowed me to see exactly how I show up, but then who I really am at my core and how to excavate and peel away those layers to come back and to become more and more myself. And nothing else had really done that for me. It had been sort of, well, you're a Leo, so so that means you love the limelight or you love attention or you're really loyal, which is great, but I wanted more. I wanted evolution. I wanted transformation. So I am that, but now what? What do I do with that? When I was 20, I was living in Aix-en-Provence, and that's when I first read Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements. And one of the agreements is don't take anything personally. And surprise, surprise, as an Enneagram 4, it's really hard for me not to take things personally. But this system has allowed me to understand and take ownership of my perspective and also get a glimpse for where someone else is coming from and having compassion for them. The way that I see and view conflict, a lot of times it's as if I'm on one wavelength and someone else is on another and we're acting as if we're on the same wavelength, but we're really talking about two different things and there's this distance between where we are. So the Enneagram also is like this translator and it helps us find common ground. Here's an example of what this looks like in real life. In 2014, I moved home to New Orleans and I booked a role as a victory bell. This is the 1940s harmony singing, stylized dancing musical trio that is in residency at the World War II Museum in New Orleans and travels around performing for veterans and different events. And I've never considered myself a triple threat. That's when you can sing, act, and dance. I can sing and I can act and I can quote unquote move well. But the dance training was really intense for the Victory Bells. And it was a type of dancing that I had never really done before. And precision was paramount. So once I got through the boot camp of training and became a Victory Bell, I had some videos of me performing the songs and dances. And I was so proud of myself. And Simone came down to visit me. And one day we were sitting on the bed in the guest room and And I said, hey, can you watch this video? And so she watched it. And I wish I had a video of me watching her. So hopeful, such high expectations of her being incredibly impressed with my skill and what I was able to accomplish. But she just had this neutral face and she said something like, why am I watching this? What is it that you need from me? And I got so offended. I took that so personally. It really hurt my feelings. And I'm like, well, of course, I want you to tell me that I did a good job. And she, classic type eight, was like, well, why don't you tell yourself that you did a good job? Why can't you validate yourself? Fours seek approval. We want to be seen as special and unique. We want that reflected back from our loved ones. And eights want to be strong and in control. And they don't like being manipulated and vulnerability. It's like they can smell blood. They can sniff out weakness. And so I think what I was reflecting back to Simone was her own vulnerability. That is her shadow that she rejects. But I also wasn't being upfront and direct and saying, I know you don't care about this. I am so proud of myself and I would love for you to just give me a high five. I put on two concerts in New York and Simone was my biggest fan. She was in the audience hooting and hollering 
Yeah, girl. So it wasn't that she didn't want to give me her love and attention. She just didn't want to be manipulated into having a certain response. And she wanted me to be strong enough to give that to myself. So when I look at that situation from an Enneagram perspective, I can see the wavelength she was on, the wavelength I was on, and how we can come together, how we can each express our own needs while holding space for the other person's experience. And that common ground leads to conflict resolution and deeper connection and greater compassion and empathy. And I mean, man, that just is all we need. (laughs) That's all we need. And I believe the Enneagram has the power to heal all of that. So what is the Enneagram? Ennea is Greek for nine and gram means figure drawn or a symbol. So it's a nine pointed star and each point on the star represents a different personality type and how they view and experience the world. I'm not a history buff. In fact, that was my least favorite subject in school, except for art history. But just to give you a very basic overview of where the Enneagram comes from, it has ancient roots in all spiritual practices. Christianity, Kabbalism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of these spiritual practices which at their core are trying to figure out where these spiritual beings having a human experience, but what keeps us from having a spiritual experience? What are the barriers? What is this sense of separateness? What makes us forget that we are all one, that we are all connected, these universal truths? That's where the Enneagram stems from. What blocks us from our higher self and that ability for inward reflection. If you've ever meditated before, It's when you are able to tap into that state of witnessing your thoughts without attaching to them. And then the questions that come up, why am I not mindful all the time? Where do I go instead? And then in the 1920s, George Gurdjieff, who was a Russian mystic and philosopher, he used the nine-pointed symbol to study process and change. In the 1970s, Oscar Echazo, who is the founder of the Eureka Institute, he added on the personality type descriptions as well as the emotional vice and virtue, which we'll talk about later because that's one of my favorite aspects. Later in the 70s, Dr. Claudio Naranjo, who is a Chilean-born psychiatrist, brought the Enneagram to modern psychology and added on the defense mechanisms. In the early 80s, Robert Ox, who was a priest, brought the Enneagram to Catholics, which is why some people associate Enneagram with Christianity, even though it isn't associated with one religion. In the late 80s, My teachers, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, who was a Stanford professor and psychiatrist, studied type-related spiritual obstacles, and they began the T&E training, which is where I studied. And now, thanks to Instagram, the Enneagram is spreading. Now, between the ancient roots and 1920s, from what I know, the Enneagram was this powerful tool which was only passed through spiritual masters because of its efficacy. It wasn't something that they wanted the every person to have access to because they could use it as a tool for manipulation instead of liberation. So that's the extent of my history lesson. The Enneagram has been called a typology, a personality system, a cognitive model, an awareness tool, a diagnostic map of your patterns, and liberation psychology. Next week, I'm gonna dive more into who are these nine types. I hope something in this episode resonated with you today. I hope that this gives you a deeper understanding as to what the Enneagram is and why it might be beneficial to you and how you can start to think about using it. And until next time, love, Liz. 
you're ready to discover your true self and break free from those automatic patterns that may be holding you back, I invite you to take the next step and book a Discovering You Enneagram typing session on my website, elizabethnewcomer.com. This session will be your guiding light on the path to authenticity, alignment, and fulfillment. And if you're enjoying this podcast and find it inspiring, please consider leaving a five-star review. Your feedback is encouraging and helps our message reach more people who could benefit from this transformative journey. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. Oh, 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 o